It's the More Than Cards podcast, episode five, coming to you from lovely Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This week on the show, we have parody in the NFL and underdogs. We're going to talk about some individual players that are having a couple of issues this year. We're going to talk about some new acquisitions in the NFL, and then really the bulk of today's podcast is going to be about grading companies. We'll talk about the big two We'll talk about vanity slabs and how to prep your cards for sending them off. Welcome to the show. What up, Nate? What up, what up, what up? How we doing today? Doing fabulous, man. Saturday. Well, for us, it's Saturday. I guess it's Tuesday for y'all, but college football, baby. Yeah, and the shop is busy. We've been walking around, a lot of people in and out, and it's uh, it's just a beautiful fall day. In Tennessee, so today on the on the on the cast, we were going to talk about a few things. One of uh, one of the big topics that came up while we were just prepping for the show was how the NFL feels so different this year. Um, there's a lot of parity, and uh, you know it's just it's just really interesting to see. So Nate, I was going to throw it over to you and just give us some uh, some thoughts. Man, I was telling him before we we got started that I think a man from here on out, if he took the the underdog, either took the money line or the points. He might be a very profitable man because this is one of the most, um, I, I feel like there's just a lot of parity. Uh, normally there's two, three, four teams that are head and shoulders above the rest, and this year that's just not the case. I mean, you're looking at teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not even in my top 12, 13. I mean, they're just not. I mean, Which is unbelievable to just how stacked the team is and to see – that just any given Sunday, you know, that's the that's the old adage, right, from the movie, and like that's uh, it's pretty incredible. What are you seeing? Like, who are the who are the big surprises outside of the Chiefs on on the failure side? Oh, on the failure side, I mean, man, it's there's really to me there's not too many failures out there. Even the weakest, I mean, really, other than the Lions, I mean, the Jets, <laughs> right. the Jets can beat anybody on any given Sunday, man, and that's great. Uh, that's partially because they're a little bit better, and it's partially because the fields come down some. But, I mean, really, I feel like if if we're going to – one I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, the Rams. You can sign their death certificate since they signed Odell. I mean, I, I've never understood why teams think adding a superstar that's a pain in the ass is going to work for them. But, you know, you can – Take it to the bank. I have a feeling the Rams, they, they look like a Super Bowl contender to me without him. And I really feel like they might have signed their death certificate with him. That's just me. Uh, again, I've seen it before. Um, I feel like. Do you think it's the locker room shakeup that really that really changes everything? It's like adding the dynamic personality that's uncontrollable and on the wildly? Or? I think when you're on a team and you bring selfish behavior into that team at, you know, that team atmosphere, um, it, it messes with the camaraderie. Uh, people hate that shit. People don't want to play, uh, you know, side by side with someone that's always me, 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 me. And maybe I'm giving OBJ an unfair sh- shake, but that's how it feels. Um, everywhere he goes, it f- feels like there's a problem. Um, there's a headache. Um, the Browns looked pretty good without him. Um, I, I just think that, Sometimes um, when you're a good team, if you add the wrong player, it can it can really it can really mess up. Just like in a small business, you add one bad seed to this thing, and man, the wheels fall off. So how how much different? You know, we're mid season at this point, and I know we talk a lot about NFL while we're while we're on the show. Um, what are the biggest surprises? I mean, we're talking about parity here, and what we saw the Dolphins, right? We saw the Dolphins yeah. take on the 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 Ravens. And really, just their defense just kind of shut them down. It was really surprising. But you're right. I feel like you know having these 17 games is a big deal to have that extra game, but then having the extra team in the postseason as well uh, brings a whole different, um, a whole different feel and vibe to the season. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it's more like feels like it's going to be more like March Madness uh, in basketball this year for the NFL, and it's typically not like that. So I'm excited. I feel like there's there's probably 20 teams that are capable of it, it's pretty – the Chiefs may go on a run. I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, it, it could be it could be Arizona. It could be uh, one of the other 19 teams. I mean, uh, uh, the Saints are as bipolar as they get, as you know. Uh, one week they're uh, – you know, it, it's just so exciting for me to find a, a season like this in the NFL. It doesn't happen a lot like this where there's that many teams that are pretty much bunched together. And what does that do to the the landscape of gambling 
on on teams this year has that has that made a big impact has it changed has does the does the line feel different uh, no nah, i mean you'd have to ask caesar's uh pit <laughs> boss or whatever things like that i would think that uh parlays are harder to hit um in the nfl a lot of times people will bunch three and four favorites together to try to to win maybe you know it doesn't pay 10 to 1 or anything if they take the money line with the favorite obvious obviously but i feel like to me I mean, I have no numbers. I haven't looked, but I'm assuming that if you had bet on the underdogs all season long, you'd be killing it right now. I mean, I don't, I don't think that. I don't need to look. I know that just from following the the, the lines throughout the year. So, um, I think it makes more fun, makes it more interesting. Um, but there's no guarantees. I mean, the Titans are a perfect example of that. I mean, I never thought uh, they would go stroll into L.A. and just curb stomp them um, after Derrick Henry's gone. I mean, I never dreamed it. And they were double-digit, or they were nine, somewhere in there, eight to ten points, because I know the Broncos were a ten-point-plus dog, spanked the Cowboys. Just imagine if you'd have parlayed the Titans, or parlayed the Titans and the Broncos. It would have been a big payday um, on the money line. It's an interesting that uh... – Thing though, because obviously when you're, you know, when your odds are a certain way for the underdog team, and if you've bet on the underdog team all year, you're looking at exponential uh, wins in, as far as like the payouts are concerned. Um, really interesting. So what about? Uh, and obviously it's an underdog season, right? We're seeing a lot of those surprise upsets and victories. Who do you think is like? You know, we're mid season now. Who are the sleepers? Who's the underdogs that we're that we're going to be looking at to to take it the rest of the season? I st- I mean, if you look at it. Uh, I mean, man, the Steelers are even hanging around all of a sudden. I saw them and I'm like, what the hell? So, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't have any team that I'm like, oh, they're like, it could be anybody. I mean, there's, there's the Browns, the Bengals, the, the, those teams, they may not even make the playoffs, but could make some noise if they got hot at the right time. I still think they're, they're several pieces away, but, um, you know, there's a conglomerate of, you know, there's four or five what I feel like are, are a little bit better than everybody else, but it's not that much. And then there's 10 or 15 teams that are relatively the same, and it's just any given Sunday they can they either can win by three touchdowns or lose by three touchdowns. It's pretty wild. And, damn it, I, I love an underdog, man. I like, when I watch any football game, now I don't play fantasy football. <laughs> so, so years ago I played fantasy football for one year, and it was the year that Marcus Colston got drafted, and he got drafted as a tight end. But I got, I mean, and he started as a wide receiver, but I got to get tight end points off uh, in the tight end slot wide receiver points. So I destroyed the, the league, but I realized at the end of it that I really hated football that whole year because all I did was chase numbers and stats and watch little <laughs> bits and watch the, the replays and the highlights. And that's all that I cared about. And I, I look back at the season and I won the whole league and I never played again because I hated it. And so that being said, now when I watch football, it's more of a, an emotional thing. I love the sport. Right. So whenever I watch a game where the two teams don't really matter to me, I am rooting for the underdog every time. It doesn't matter who it is. So um, I love that about the sport. I love that it's so interesting this year to see to see the um, the parody. Outside of the Saints, who do you like? I mean, like if you an underdog, somebody that's within reason that could make the playoffs. I like the Browns. I like. I, I think that they're an interesting spot. They they're like I think they're number one in rushing for the season so far. Um, they're fun to watch. I like, you know, as much as um, we were talking about OBJ a minute ago and how it shook up the locker room, I really think the Rams are a contender. Um, I don't like it because I'm not a Rams fan at all. I do like Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that that's a team that at the beginning of the season, I wasn't thinking much was going to happen this year. It was a rebuild situation. They put Stafford in. But Cooper Cup's healthy, and a lot of the play, big players are healthy now, and they've added to it. So I think that they're going to be a tough team to beat in the stretch. And uh, I hate to say this so much because it's my least favorite team in the NFL, but the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, I hate saying it. I really do. Mm. It, it, it even like I'm like choke, uh, uh, like it doesn't come out very well. Um, but I think that they have a shot. Yeah, dude, they're legit. If I had to, if I had to, if my life was on the line. And you said you got to pick the Super Bowl champion right now. Like the Cowboys would be one of those four teams that I'm like, man, they could do it. Um, I don't really care for their head coach, um, 
but I feel like, man, they've got some pieces, and on defense they added the right players. I mean, it's like they're legit, man. Good for the Cowboy fans. They've been through hell the last 20 years <laughs> no or doubt. so. Good for them. You said what you thought about OBJ going to the Rams. What do you think about this $10 million Cam Newton contract bringing him back to Carolina? Jeez. Yeah, that sounds like they're throwing a Hail Mary. You know, they obviously – uh, not Darnold's injured, and you know he's not gonna be the not gonna be the guy there. And I think they're just trying to uh, do the best they can. But as far as I'm concerned, you know I've watched Cam the last couple of years. I mean, Cam, I'm, there's no bigger fan of Cam Newton. He won me a, a fantasy championship in in 2011, um, just single handedly. You know, with the, the draft pick of him as his rookie year, it was a later pick, and I mean he really put me over the top. That year, so I've always been a fan of him, but I mean, man, Father Time caught up with him. Um, you know, he's probably needing to be more on like a fashion runway <laughs> than in the NFL right now, man. And no, no hard feelings. I, I hope he proves me wrong, but I think that's ten million they could have donated to St. Jude Hospital. They could have uh, have done some other things, but hey, I'm not filthy rich where I can just blow ten million. So who am I to tell the man what to do with his money? They don't make the playoffs this year. I think that division's... I mean, between the Saints and the Bucks, I just don't think that they're... I think they're doomed. I don't think they're going to be able to make it. But um, was kind of surprised to see that happening. When they said that he was going to meet with the management in Carolina, I thought they were going to discuss his ring of honor that he was going to be sent in or something <laughs> like that. I didn't think it was going to be sending him a $10 million contract with four and a half uh, guaranteed. Uh, any other movement? I was trying to think of any other... Uh, big moves that happened. I know Ingram's back on the Saints, which affects the locker room greatly. I really thought that we were going to look go after a quarterback in New Orleans um, after Jameis went down, uh, but Trevor Simeon's kind of picking up the ball and and doing his best with what with what he's got. And uh, but I, I can't think of anything else that really happened as far as like the trade deadline and any uh, any waivers that came up. As far as the trade deadline, can can the Saints add Phillip Rivers whenever you want to your team? Or is there a cutoff when you can add a roster spot, like you can add someone that's on the streets, like a, a free agent? I believe as long as they're a free agent, they're not on waivers or anything like that, and uh, there's the cap space available to be able to bring them on. Yeah, I think you can bring them on whenever. So you could do it like the day before the – like the week before the Super Bowl, you can add a player off the street. I'm not sure how that works. That's, That's a great question. Cool, yeah. I don't know if like we, in the middle of the playoffs you can just be like, hey, I'm signing Peyton Manning to come play uh, quarterback. He retired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, man, I would love – Phillip Rivers, I mean, he plays – he played in the exact same offense for many, many years, the Drew Brees offense. You know, he, he inherited it in, the, in San Diego and – um, I think he would be, I mean, you got me like all like a yeah, flutter talking dude. about Phillip Rivers coming to the I'm, I met him, man, in Key West. We were getting off the plane and uh, me and Sherry and the kids, we were getting off the plane and a dude opens the door for me. I look up, it's Phillip Rivers. I'm like, damn, that's Phillip Rivers. It's like, damn, he's bigger than I thought he was. He might have to do something to support his 30 children. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> he, he's fertile. But I think that's a perfect fit, honestly. I'd like to see it. I like Sean Payton. Have I told you before that Sean Payton – that's who Bill Parcells wanted Kentucky to hire as their head coach. No, I, I never I've never that. told you that story. No, no, no. Bill Parcells, this is all – I mean, I'm a Kentucky Wildcat football fan, so diehard. I was in college. I was reading the message boards and all these things. But many years ago, um, when Mitch Barnhart – he ended up hiring Rich Brooks. He was after Bill Parcells. He, was not, he wasn't coaching. He was not coaching the Cowboys, but it was uh, Parcells. And word was that Bill Parcells was going to come out of retirement and come coach Kentucky. Well, man, Jerry Jones hired Bill Parcells. That's literally the year that it happened. Bill Parcells told Mitch Barnhart to hire Sean Payton. He doesn't. Sean Payton becomes offensive coordinator at the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas, yeah. and obviously the rest is history. But true story, or or the way this isn't the way I remember reading about it was, you know, people were always laughing it off that Bill Parcells was never going to come there. I really think that he was until he got, obviously, the Cowboys job offer. But with that said, he literally offered Sean freaking Payton to the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, how crazy. Think about that. Like, oh, my gosh, how, how different your life would be. Right, right, exactly. How different my life would be. But, again, that that's what I I believe to be true. Um, pretty wild stuff. Ended up getting Rich Brooks. Was, wasn't terrible. But so it was like 2004 around there? No, this bro? was 2002. 
2002, we went seven. So it'd be 2002, 2003 season. I think Brooks took over in 04. Right. So if Sean Payton would have taken over in 04, he would have had like seven championships in the last like 15 years, right? Yeah, probably so. At least one. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we could have at least won the East. Man, dude, he's, he's like legit. I love Sean Payton. Um, so, and it's part because of that. I'm like, damn, so close. And it's funny how that, like, that's life, man, football, whatever, like all these decisions you make one fork, you know, you, you take the left instead of the right, man, you, you live to be a hundred, you turn right, you, you get, you're in a fiery crash, you know? So it's one of those things that just the what ifs that I'm always like, damn, I wish we'd have gotten Sean Payton. I like when conversations steer this way on the podcast, because I feel like little by little, I'm going to turn it into a New Orleans Saints podcast. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, it's been an interesting off-the-field couple of weeks for some players. I just wanted to bring up Aaron Rodgers and see what you thought about what was going on with that guy. Uh, it's just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, man, to be honest with you. Um, doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, there's been plenty of situations with him, but, I mean, even with Aaron, like, at least Kyrie's honest about it, and, and you know how I feel about Kyrie I think he's a bum. Uh, no hard feelings, Jim, by the way, but I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers character guy, but that's that's just me. It's from a couple of different, it, you know, I, I can remember the night he sat in the green room all night long. You know, he sat, he sat in there uh, all night long, sweating bullets, and who comes and gets him? The Green Bay Packers. And um, I feel like, hey, man, they threw you, you know, they threw you a life raft uh, when nobody else wanted you. They had Favre, um, a freaking legend. They they picked you up, um, and then fast forward fifteen years later, and uh, you're upset that they did the exact same thing with Jordan Love when you're the quarterback, and it, it just it, it reeks of hypocrisy to me and weakness, like. Uh, you know, like my warrior, my gladiator, or if I'm the quarterback, it's like, I don't, I don't give a shit who you bring into this um, uh, building. I'm the quarterback of this team. Um, so, you know, there's that. I feel like um, he, he was, you know, he got an opportunity and then, but Jordan Love shouldn't have an opportunity 15 years later. The Packers should have a right for what they've done for you, pal, to run their, uh, franchise the way they want to run it. This isn't the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers. This is the Green Bay Packers. They were winning when you were in diapers. They were winning when your daddy was in diapers. So it's kind of like, man, it's selfish behavior, and it's what we talk about. Again, don't don't get it twisted. I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, like truly legit, but he's also an arrogant prick, in my opinion. And for someone to essentially lie uh, when we're talking about people's uh, health, uh, this is the NFL. This isn't Aaron Rodgers' small business where Aaron can do whatever he wants. Aaron, Aaron, there's protocols in there, and all you have to do is say you're not vaccinated and you got to wear a mask or whatever it is. It speaks such volumes about him. I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's situations he doesn't talk to his brother. I think Jordan Rodgers is cool as shit, man. Um, doesn't talk to his family, and you know, I don't. I'm not privy to that information. But from what I'm I'm talking about right now, I kind of connect the dots and I'm like, damn, man, you know, it's not everybody else, bro. It's you. And, you know, I've also as far as the vaccination goes, hey, man, I get it. If you don't want the vaccine, no problem. This is America. I don't have any problem with that. It's up to you. Uh, but with that said, when you're working for an organization or within a team, man, these people have. Uh, you know, mothers and fathers, they're going to visit. There's older people that work in the building. It's not about you. And from the fucking very first night, this guy got drafted. It's in his world. It's always about him. And I just think this is another example of Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. I mean, dude, if you said Aaron Rodgers was out there buying cards, I literally, I'd be like, get a picture for Facebook, but I don't want to meet him. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's what I think about Aaron. Well, I think there's part two, you know, it's, Follow the protocols, right? Follow what the organization is doing. There are other quarterbacks that are not vaccinated. That's right. Uh, Jerry Goff is, a, is an example. He is not. He's not vaccinated, but he's following protocol. You see him on the side on the bench. He's got a mask on in between plays. Like he's taking care of himself, and he's very public about where he is and what he's doing. Right. I mean, Rodgers was like, "Oh yeah, I'm. I'm a what is it? Immunized. Yeah." Yeah, yeah, uh, sure you are, buddy. While you're watching Fox News and hooping and hollering, like man, like get serious, like seriously, like I, and then like trying to backtrack once it was caught. Which, 
you know, I wouldn't care at all. Like I said, do whatever you want. But when there's, when you're supposed to be the leader of a team and you're, you're not being the leader of the team, I'm going to call you out on it. Like just lying to your teammates and things like that. It just, to me, it makes you look like exactly who I thought you were. And again, I get really, I guess I'm, I'm jaded because I feel like his draft day is literally the same as Jordan loves. But for some reason, the Packers shouldn't do to, to him what they did to Brett fucking Favre. I mean, Brett Favre, pal, this isn't, you know, this isn't Neil O'Donnell. It's like, come on, man. They're just trying to take care of the franchise. And then I watched Jordan Love play, and he was terrible, as far as I'm concerned, compared to Aaron Rodgers. Just a flash. We're not seeing, yeah. We haven't seen what he can yeah. totally do yet. But, yeah, yeah, but he. it's like, you're afraid of this kid taking your job, man? Like, that, that's a slight that they drafted a quarterback. They can't draft a quarterback for 15 years, man? Like, come on. Like, you know, to me, it's selfish behavior. But, again, it is what it is. Again, don't be mad at me, Jim. <laughs> Uh, in other words, in, in, in summation, I guess, Aaron Rodgers, do better. Yeah, like, man, or, or just be honest, man. Just be, 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 if you want to die on a hill for something, that's fine. But, you know, don't, don't be a little snake in the grass lying, you know, lying about it and things, man. If you, I, I respect people, whether they're right or wrong, or I think they're right or wrong, but at least be transparent, man, and stand up for what you believe in. Don't be a little bitch. <laughs> in other off-the-field news... The Raiders have been just a total mess this year. Obviously, we had the issue with John Gruden and his emails being leaked, and now he is suing the NFL, which, do it. Yeah, you he's, know? he's going to get paid. He is going to get paid. Yeah, but mean, then you have the other thing with uh, Henry Ruggs. Right. Henry Ruggs, you know, 20 years old, or, or what, 20, 22 yeah, or right. something like that, and he, you know, kills this poor girl and her dog. On the strip, on Paradise in Las Vegas, going 156 miles an hour in a Corvette. Nate, you were telling me how great of a car it is. Yeah, because he walked away from that accident. Yeah. But uh, what are you? What are your thoughts, man? How do how do you destroy yourself that way? I mean, that's it's just bad choices. I was telling you earlier. I believe that um, I've drank enough brown water here at the store before, and, and and Sherry will come pick me up, or I'll get an Uber or whatever. But the one thing that alcohol does is it makes you a little bit more of who you are. Like you can't hide and you don't see me wanting to go drive on the streets and, and, and drive 156 miles an hour. First of all, let me just tell you the Corvette that he's driving. It's a badass vehicle. I can't imagine. I can't imagine trying to drive one sober 156 miles an hour, but for him to hit that car at that speed and, and the compartment not to even be damaged. I mean, that's just an empty frunk up front. Like, it's, there's no engine up there. So when I saw that picture, I was like, damn, these things are, are well built. Good for him, but that doesn't help the innocent person and her pet that's minding her own business in the middle of the street. It's like 20-second decision can cost you 20 years of your life. And it's like what bothers me about Henry Ruggs isn't that he made a bad decision to get behind the wheel. It's when he got behind the wheel, the decision that he was making, going so fast and being so erratic to me – there's some underlying issues there. I've made mistakes before in my life, but I'm not running around, you know, at, at racetrack speeds and things like that as a younger person. Um, I feel like, damn man, um, there were, there wasn't just one bad decision there. You know, there, there was multiple ones and there's, uh, something to be said about someone who makes a mistake. And there's something to be said for someone who makes multiple, multiple mistakes and decisions on that night. And I just hate it for her family. I hate it for him. I mean, it's, you know, um, I can't imagine living my whole life realizing that, you know, I killed someone by, by doing something stupid and could be a very, could be a very good guy. But, uh, the facts say something otherwise when he's intoxicated, when he's making decisions like that, it's just like, you know, it's going to cost him 20 years of his life, man. Yeah, I was going to say, he's never going to play uh, football again. Nah, there's not. Well, I mean, unless they come out with the longest yard three or something in, in prison. <laughs> right. He's not playing football, man. He's he's in deep shit. And as far as John Gruden goes, he's going to get paid handsomely because, I mean, it's just anybody with any sense, I feel like, can look at this and say, look, Goodell was reading these emails, realized Gruden was talking shit about him, didn't like it, and said, hey, let's get him fired. They tried to leak a little bit of it. 
uh, Mark Davis wouldn't have. And then he was like, ah, screw it. Well, then they released more. And then Mark Davis storms in there furious. Oh, you know, I've got to do this. And was upset about it. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're racist or whatever, I'm not saying Gruden is. I don't I don't think Gruden is. Um, but you got to remember when you're saying things on, on company emails or texts or whatever, like this is a this is a country right now that's not very forgiving. We we, we seem to want to burn people at the cross um, that the most up, fucked up thing is for saying something like do you know how much shit I've said on this show that I didn't even mean that I'm just carrying on trying to entertain? And I mean, it, it, you know, obviously I, I, you know, I'm not promoting people saying uh, racist things, but sometimes someone makes a mistake, man. Like someone like, I honestly have watched Gruden on, on hard knocks. I feel like he, I don't feel like the guy's racist. I just feel like he got, he got those emails ran across Goodell's desk. And what's going to happen is, is, they're going to sue him and they're going to have to settle with him because they're not going to, they're not going to let all those other emails out and prove that he was being, because like he was literally handpicked because do you really think like you were saying earlier, John Gruden's not the only one. There's no way he's definitely not the worst NFL. I mean, there's some idiots out there. So um, I'm not big on um, crucifying someone or ruining their livelihoods over things they say. And some people might say, whoa, that's that's uh, politically incorrect or whatever. But like, man, last time I checked, I've been uh, my whole life. When you're a kid, you're getting picked on, ridiculed. People say things to hurt your feelings. And hey, man, like I'm not going to take someone's livelihood because they said something stupid about me or someone else. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that feel differently. But to me, um, they're just ignorant. It's just ignorance. It's just ignorant words. And I like, I just kind of like shrug my shoulders like, man, how embarrassing, you know, to be like that or, or, or say stupid shit like that. But at the end of the day, I'm getting to the point now where I'm numb to a lot of this. I'm tired of people being their lives being destroyed. Their families not being able to be provided for because of the something stupid, ignorant, you know, ignorance. And, And man, we've let people be ignorant for many years and not, uh, be burned at the cross. I mean, like, what do you think? Well, I, I think my my biggest thing is like, I mean, it could be pretty inflammatory the things that he said on an email. But I think a lesson to be learned and something that everybody should be aware of is don't ever put anything in an email that you want that you don't want everybody in the world to read because it's public. I right. mean, it is what it is. That's going to be out there. Uh, one of the things I think about also is how deep does it go when Gruden when Gruden's suing them. Are they going to be asked to go further into other people's emails and to see what have other coaches said? What have other people said? Yeah. And how far does that go? Right. And I mean, and that's the other thing, too, is like just because I think people have the right to say what they want doesn't mean I agree with what they're saying. Just like vaccines or anything else. I'm just getting to the point over the last year. Or so it's like, damn, man, I just I want people to not be in fear all the time. You know, hey, if you're a racist asshole, I don't like you and I don't want you to do well. But that's your own like just you know, that's going to come out eventually. I feel like if you're a racist asshole, not just some words that they find 10 years ago about you, like you either are, or you aren't, or you're either, you know, someone that like, I would love to look at his roster. I would like to look at all the the 53 man roster. And I would be willing to bet that the minorities on his team are, are somewhat identical to every other team. So it's not like this stupid, ignorant shit he said about people he didn't like. Um, is is really racism? It's it's ignorance, you know. But that's just me again, you know. I don't want to I don't want to ruffle people's feathers. I'm not condoning anything these idiots say. I'm just saying, hey man, we're getting to a point now where um, anything that anybody says, even 10, 15 years ago, twenty years ago, can cost them their livelihoods. It's like that's some serious shit. Back to cards, Nate. Let's talk about uh. Grading companies talk about the ones that we've seen uh, show up in the '90s, the ones that we see now, the ones that are the most profitable when you use their services, mm-hmm. and also we're going to talk a little bit about how to prep your cards for the initial send-off. So, Nate, tell me about PSA and BGS, man. I mean, that's one of the things that's really cool. Is back in the '90s, pretty much how it worked was PSA. You know, they they came along in the late '80s. But in the early 90s, when I was around, 
you could have a card graded, but that was very rare. It was like Nolan Ryan rookies and, you know, it wasn't, no kids were doing anything like that. Um, it was expensive. Um, I can look at a holder today and tell you when it's from that era, they have different holders, the, the font and things like that. Um, and then I think Beckett started around 97, 98. That, that's when I remember it. And the, and the cool thing is, is that Beckett was, was much tougher than PSA. It wasn't even close. And I mean, PSA is probably about the same as it was back in 1998, but Beckett was ridiculously tough back then. I can remember in 97, 98, 99, somewhere in there, like a Jordan Beckett 9.5 was like 18,000. And I remember selling PSA 10 Jordan rookies for about 6,000. So a Beckett 9.5 was three times more valuable than a PSA 10. You fast forward it now, and it's like a BGS 9.5 is about, I'm, I'm just going rough numbers. I haven't looked at them in the last couple of months. Let's say a BGS 9.5 is... 50 or 60,000 and a PSA 10 is 250,000, 300,000, as much as three quarters of a million. But back then the BGS nine five was bringing a hundred thousand. So let's just, but the point remains, things can change. Um, if you have a card in a PSA holder, you, you, uh, the way the company goes is the way the value of your card goes. If you're, if your company starts grading trimmed cards and, um, becomes nothing more than a vanity slab, you're going to lose money if it's PSA or Beckett because they've built a reputation. Uh, again, Beckett, back in the day, I couldn't even get a 9.5. Now I get majority 9.5s. It's not that I'm a much better grader. It's that they're more lenient than they were in the early 90s. Um, and that's kind of what I want to alluded to today. allude to today was, look, just because a card's in a PSA 9 holder or a Beckett 9 holder doesn't mean it's mint. And just because it's in a seven doesn't mean it's not meant. Always buy the card, not the holder. Um, you can make a massive, massive living if you can master what a, what what they're really looking for in a nine or a ten and buying seven and eights that have been undergraded. I could, I could give you some tips on that down the road at another show, but just it, it's very important to understand that there's plenty of cards. The last two cards I sent to PSA. One card submissions each. One card got a nine that I, I I didn't think anywhere was meant. The second card I thought was probably the nicest card I've ever sent to PSA in 25 years. And they both got a nine. That is my point. You, I believe if, if you had the courage to crack that card that I talked about more times than not, it's going to get a 10. You would be a damn fool to crack the other card. Like, and that's what I mean, what you're looking for, if you're trying to make a profit or, or, you know, I don't really like talking about the other companies cause I'm not as well versed on those. But what I mean is like a PSA nine, if you can crack that sucker and get a PSA 10, you're talking huge money in some of these cards. So, you know, just don't go by the holder um, in vintage. It's a lot more prevalent right now. Um, you know, I appeal means everything, not just the grade, but in, in modern cards, man, people are th- throwing these shiny things around in slabs like they're a, a slab of meat. Like they don't care at all. Like at these shows that looks like they've been ran over by a damn car. They don't even protect the holder. And I think it's super important for people that are in this grading game or, or trying to make a profit in grading to understand that you can make a huge amount of money on those things that I just talked about, the discrepancies. You, you can, uh, again, um, it's tricky. Because, uh, you know, you really have to uh, understand the gaps in the prices on which ones to take a crack at because it's not cheap now. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is when you look at a card, what what makes you want to send it to PSA and what would make you want to send it to BGS? Okay, if the first thing for Beckett is, is the autograph a 10. If the autograph is a 10, um, if I'm 100% sure... That card is a 10. What makes, what makes the autograph a 10? Bold, no streaking. Um, there's, no, there's no misses in the, in the signature where they've missed, like, say, Kobe. Sometimes Kobe will miss part of the O. It'll, there'll be a, a gap there. There'll be no ink. Right. It's just where he – but it, when they pick that up, a lot of times – PSA, that's what I mean. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about the first steps for me to send a, a, an autograph card in – it, for PSA is, is it a 10 autograph? If it's not a 10 autograph, 
nine times out of 10, you know, you're going to send it to PSA, but with no autograph grade. Right. Just the card. Just the grade. Make sure you're aware of this, guys. Like a PSA 9 and a PSA 910 of the same card, the 910 is a much better card than the 9. Most of the um, savvy dealers, what they're doing is, is if a card has a little bit of a, you know, like the autograph's not perfect, you can get it through Beckett with a 10 auto a lot of times. Um, so you're going to send that card to Beckett, try for a 9.5 if, or possibly a 10. Um, if it's, if it's bang, if the autograph's not going to 10, then you're going to send it to PSA without the autograph grade. That's important. Um, but like, like this last card I sent him that I thought was the best of the best. And I sold it too. It's not even back yet, but I didn't even want to crack it open and try Beckett 9510. I think it is a Beckett 9510. Hell, it's probably a 1010, but I wasn't willing to risk it for that kind of money. It was a $25,000 card. I had to pay a thousand to have it graded. It was all profit. Let's just move on to the next one. But I believe that card is Jim Mint in a nine holder. And I took the risk sending it to PSA trying to get a 1010. That was a gamble I took and I lost. If I had sent that card to Beckett, it had been a 9510. There's no doubt in my mind. But I was going for the home run there. I thought the card was good enough. Um, it's a crapshoot. Don't get discouraged. I mean, I, I let that thing bother me for a damn day. You know, like it just, it, it's unfair. I know the card's Jim Mint. It doesn't matter what I know. Nobody is paying for Grand Slam collectibles grading opinion. They're paying for Beckett. They're paying for PSA. So, so autograph would be the first thing that you look at when you're deciding between PSA and Beckett, right? Right. Well, and see, even on that, it, I'm really breaking it into three categories. Either send it to Beckett, send it to PSA for the grade only, or send it to PSA with grade and auto grade. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, yep. yeah, I mean, if, it, if it's got a nice, big, bold signature and the card is truly Jim Mint to me, because PSA is a little bit tougher. They're both... I mean, they're very comparable, man. They really are. Um, I'm going to, I went for the home run on, on that card. The other card that I sent in was because the Mahomes signature to me wasn't perfect. And I, I sent it in to PSA with no auto grade. Just to grade, right? Just to grade the card. I didn't quite think that I, it was a 50 50 shot whether Beckett would not nine or nine five ten it. But once you get into that nine autograph, that really hurts, a, a, you know, an RPA. So I was like, look, I'll send it to PSA. If this thing gets a nine, it's all, there's other variables too. How much do I have in the card? Uh, you know, am I trying to flip it quick? Look how, I mean, I'm so grateful I sold that Mahomes, man. Like that card sold for fucking nuts, you know, and he's played like shit ever since. But um, to get back to what you're asking, yeah, those are the three areas you look at. If it's got a bold signature and the card isn't flawless, but it's got a bold auto, I'm going Beckett every time. So what about the difference between like uh, modern, ultra-modern, and vintage? Is there is there a grading company that you would send your vintage to yeah. over the other one? What would yeah. that be? I mean, even with, when it comes to vintage, it would uh, it would be obviously PSA, and then I wouldn't even send it to Beckett for a second one. It would be SGC. I don't fool with SGC. It's not that, but they're, they know what they're doing. They're good at what they do. It's just the value's not there for the submitter compared to PSA. So anything vintage, I just send to, to back or to PSA, um, anything modern, like you, I know the next question is going to be anything modern that's shiny. That is, is an easy nine five. I think Beckett's the way to go. As long as the price uh, makes sense, as far as the submission right now, it's $250 to grade one. So, I'm talking if all things are equal, it's not going to take you two years to get the card back. Um, the shiny, easy stuff, I'm going to go with Beckett. Um, but me personally, I've been sending, like this week, man, we just sent four cards off $100,000. We sent four cards that were hundred grand to Beckett. And people were like, and the reason was, like, I felt like the Jordan wasn't centered enough to get a 10. So, I, I mean, like, I... I, there's a rhyme or re when it comes to the big cards, there's a reason every time. Like sometimes Brian will be like, are you sure you don't want to send this? And I'm thinking, man, just, just send it, send it, man. I know what I'm doing. And sometimes I'm wrong. I mean, he knows what he's doing too, but it's like, look, I've just made that decision. It may not even be a right one, but like the national treasures, RPAs, I'm a big fan of sending those to Beckett. They're just much more lenient. If you've got a national treasures, RPA with a, a an, an autograph that should 10 send it to Beckett 
you're getting greedy. The PSA, they just aren't, they're not real uh, kind to those cards like Beckett is. So like National Treasures RPAs, Beckett, nine times out of 10. Um, I have a Tom Brady card right now that's got a little spot on the edge that the difference between an eight and a half and a nine is probably 20,000 bucks. So I sent it to Beckett. I was like, man, I think this card could nine, 10. And, you know, it's one of those things where over time you're going to kind of figure that out as you're learning the hard way when you're buying and selling the cards. But um, the, the main key is, is don't get overwhelmed by all the choices that you have and learn grading the cards not, okay, I'm going to send this one here. That's kind of come with me personally in the last year. You know, the last couple of years is where I'm already, I'm like maximizing where I'm sending it because I know um, from experience. But even though I say that, just like with this Jordan card this last week, I knew and I know, but that doesn't matter. It didn't happen. And that's it. You can't, uh, you can't hold it against him. It's a crapshoot, man. I mean, it really is. Um, but with that said, you can't rage against the machine or you, like it used to be back in the day, these card dealers would be like, oh, I'm not sending my cards in to be graded. Now all those dudes send their cards in to be graded. And it's it, it's not about who cares what PSA's opinion is to this old man. He doesn't want it. But now he realizes that the, the holder around it makes it worth so much more. I believe if, if, if you took away my card shop, you took away my allocations, you took away everything. I believe I could make a really good living buying cards off of eBay that are undergraded, crack them out, and resend them. Um, as long as the price of submitting them isn't crazy. Um, if if PSA stays at fifty bucks a card, it's a it's a little bit tougher. But again, um, I'll tell you another trick. And and people will say, do they give preference? Yes. There's no doubt in my mind they give preference. Not, like it's just like. And I don't necessarily mean they open it up and go, oh, there's Nathan Burns. I'm going to give him some tens. I think, like, I've learned, here's a trick with Beckett. Like, what I do is if, um, let's say I'm sending in 20 cards that are big, and there's one that's fucked up, but it's still big and a fucked up grade. I put that card first. So the grader sees that card first. And then, so even when I'm looking at my order, like, my Tom Brady contenders rookie auto that got a 9-10 a few years ago, it was beat to hell. But I, I told Robbie, I said, it was about to pop. And I said, if they grade this fucking thing a nine ten, it's on the rest of them are going to be nine fives. And literally we're at the shop. It, it pops first grade, Tom Brady, nine ten. I said, it was just, all, it was literally all nine five tens down like 15 or 16 cards. And what you're trying to do is I want to get them to see a shitty car, a weaker card. And if they give that card a nine, how can everything else not be a nine five if it's better than that card? I love how you're using the psychology of the grader against them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. It, it 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 works. Yeah. Um, it, like you got to understand that these are human beings. I mean, you know, did they get a divorce this week? Is their wife cheating on them? I mean, things can change in a hurry. But there's literally there's a grader that when he comes into our store, there's more cards that I grade when he comes to town. Because I know he's, it's literally, uh, and it's massive difference in, in money, but that's, you know, I'm the one who sets it all, you know, like you pay your dues and then you kind of figure some things out. I'm glad to share them with anybody. I want you guys, whatever I've, I've learned, you know, it may not all be right, but it's, it, it, it's what I've learned and you can take it or leave it. I have no reason not to give it to you. I, I think this is incredibly valuable information. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy it. So uh, that's a great distinction right so shiny things new national treasures that have autographs on them bgs right vintage stuff looks good looks clean psa no matter what yep what about just you know somebody opens a box of cards and they're like oh, i pulled a downtown justin fields where does that go downtown justin fields if the card is clean and it's truly meant to you i send it to psa psa no it, autograph no autograph if it had an autograph if it was an yeah, autograph card it, that was shiny. It would go to BGS. The reason I say that is because the difference between the value of a downtown Justin Fields PSA 10 and a downtown Justin Fields 9.5. I believe that the value difference makes it worthwhile. Um, there's some cars that's not that big of a difference. And I, I feel like my percentages most times are better to get the 9.5 from Beckett. But that's not always the case, man. But you're asking me what I would do. I would send it that one to PSA because it's a downtown. And if I believe it's a team to me, a card is either mint 
or it's not. There is no such thing as fucking Jim Mint. <laughs> I can find something wrong with every single baseball card I've ever submitted other than the etched glass cards. The, right. the, the, the ones that come from... There is something wrong with every card. If you really get under it and you look at the card, um, to me, a card is either truly mint or it's, or it's you know, something under it, not mint. And all, all we can really do is send in mint cards and hope the roulette wheel lands on our number. Right. Well, before we talk, we're going to talk a little bit about how to prep your cards for sending yeah. them off. But before that, um, one of the questions that came up was um, a card out of the pack. Yeah. Is it always going to be mint? No, man. That's something that it's I... It's a huge misconception, right? It gets under my skin a lot because, you know, I've been doing this so long and I'll have people come in here asking for a receipt because their card's off-center some or whatnot. Like, even in my repacks, I'll have people... Man, I've got bottom tenors for days. But, like, you know, a card's near mint to mint. You know, like, that's eight, eight and a half, nine. I mean, it's hard work to get a card these days that's seven. It's not like it's 1998. It's... It's pretty tough. The card's got to be pretty messed up. And if your card is messed up, you should get it replaced. That's fair. But, like, not every card is Jim Mint out of the pack. If that were the case, we would all just open up pack. I, there would be no packs on my wall. I'd open them all up, and I'd get all 10s. And I, I would I would sell. I would be a, a, a graded dealer. So keep your expectations when you open your cards. It's not only that you're hoping for a Joe Burrow National Treasures RPA. It's you're hoping it's in mint condition or better. You know, if the autograph's messed up, I believe that's fair to ask for a replacement. And I believe if the card's damaged, it's fair to ask for a replacement. But if a card's a little off center or if a card has a nicked corner, like, dude, stop being that guy. Karma always catches up with these people. I I don't know why people don't understand. Like, look, man, you always think if you take from someone else, it adds to your ledger and it takes away from their ledger. And really how I feel about people like that is, is it, it does take away from the person you're stealing from or whatever, however you're trying to scheme. But eventually it, you get yours down the road, man. So like, just be the guy that understands that, hey man, some cards are gym mint, you know, or mint, but like I say, out of a pack and some aren't, but that doesn't mean you get a brand new shiny Joe Burrow silver prism because it's off center, man. That's not how it works. It's, you know, within reason, eight, nine should be what you're pulling but if a card's not creased or, 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 or vastly off-center or the autograph's not messed up pretty good, that's the card that was in the pack, man. That's the way it goes. Right, and I think it's very important that when you're, if you are opening packs and you think that you're going to hit something or you're going to send it in, open your packs wearing gloves, right? Be careful when you open your packs in general just so you don't damage them in the process of opening them. And that's a very easy thing to do. And I've seen it. I've done it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, let me just go on record. I'm not the glove guy. I don't believe like I, I handle cards without gloves and it's just, I don't like the gloves. I'm more likely to drop your card wearing a glove than not wearing them. <laughs> um, I, I, I do handle your card with care, but the reason is, is um, you start wearing those, you get sweaty hands and things and it, man, I can drop the card. So, you know, as far as the other thing, obviously don't go like, don't go opening up your pack of cards in your car with no top loaders and things. And like, <laughs> You know, like, be patient. Uh, but with that said, again, guys, remember, there's nothing wrong uh, with with it. You know, of course you want a Jim Mint card, but it, it's not something to go squawking, uh, going on your web, your Facebook pages, blabbing about it all night long, negativity about your, your Joe Burrow downtown has a Nick Corner. That's the way it goes, man. They're not all Jim Mint. So that kind of leads us to how do you prep your cards? Like, let's yeah. say, all right, I'm going to do my first order. I got set up with... With PSA, I'm going to send them in. I got a stack of 20 cards. What are the things that I want to look for as a consumer before I send them in to make sure that I have the best chances at at getting a mint grade? Are they are they like the new shiny ones or some of both or what? Okay, yeah, I mean, just like just say you've been putting a collection of raw cards together for a couple years and you have some some cards that you know would be high on grading. Well, the first thing you want is you want a microfiber cloth. You know, like when I say microfiber cloth, you just go to Amazon and pick one up. It's it's like what you clean your sunglasses with. And what we always do is Bryant does this for me now, but you want to pull the card out of the top loader by the sides where you're pulling it out. Cause you got to be careful. They will count off for fingerprints on those shiny ones. Oh yeah. So you want to hold it from the side and you kind of want to just tilt it a couple different ways. And typically you're going to pick something up when you're 
tilting it left and right that needs to be wiped with the microfiber a little bit. But you got to be careful because that microfiber cloth can get away from you and it's it's hitting the corners and everything. So what I do is I just take my, my pointer finger to where I'm wanting to go with it and I just kind of wipe right there in a circle. And I'll, it's kind of like, you know, waxing that, that fingerprint off of there. There's nothing, that's not, you're just taking care of your card. Right. I'm not saying don't throw wax on them and, and get out dents or whatever some of these guys claim they can do. I'm saying your card's got a fingerprint on it and you're trying to prepare it to be graded. They count off against a fingerprint. And to me, a fingerprint isn't damage. It's literally can be fixed with you wiping it off with whatever you want. I think the safest thing's a microfiber cloth. You want to take a good look at it on the front with that. I flip it over. Typically, it's not as much on the back, but I'll look there. If I see something, I'll do I'll do the same thing there. But then again, I flip it back over just to make sure I didn't get my fingerprints on it. And then what I do is I get the, do not try to stick it in a, a regular sized penny sleeve. You want to put them in the thick penny sleeves. It gives you a little bit of space for the card. Just slide it right in there. And then what I do is I just put it in an ultra uh, ultra pro semi-rigid holder. And then even then I look at it again, I can be much more, I don't have to be so delicate with it. I can kind of really look, I'll take one more look at it, make sure a lot of times the centering and things, it's hard to even tell what, what is centered and what's not. So you're just kind of, it's a crap shoot. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. But another thing I like to do too is, is on the edges while I've got it in my hand before I put in the semi or the ultra pro is I like to look at the edges and make sure there's not any of the little hair sticking off of it. Just if it is, all I do is I just take my finger and I rub it. I don't pull it off or anything. I just lay it flat so they don't see it. And I think that can help. Um, other than that, I, that's it. What about putting them in a book to make sure that, you know, some of the, the bow or creases, uh, I've done that before. No, I've seen cards that are rolled up, get nine fives from, from, uh, uncut sheets from the eighties. Yeah. They, they get flattened out yeah. in, the, in, the, in the holder as it is. Well, they just don't know. I mean, I, I mean, they, it's just not as big a deal. I, I wouldn't, because sometimes cards that have been in those bricks for years, they come back as altered. Like Jordan rookies are coming back from those. So if you're smashing stuff down, I, I don't want my card flat. I'd rather it be exactly the way, like those cards come out of those packs like that. They don't, they don't care whether it's got that. They, they want to see that rather than it be flat as a sheet of paper. Right on. Well, all of this has been incredibly helpful. I hope the listeners, I hope you guys have really appreciate this because this is some good insider, uh, you know, card shop stuff. I mean, talking about PSA and BGS, there are other grading companies that exist. Um, there are a few that have been around. SGC has been around a long time. We're not going to name a bunch of the other ones, but what I like to call them are vanity slabs. That's what I, a term that I use because it's not going to really increase the value putting it in a holder for them. But if it looks cool for your collection and you want to do all of your, you know, uh, your Saints cards in black and gold holders, that's cool, but that's for you. That's not for anybody else. And it doesn't really increase the value uh, for anyone. So I wanted to make sure that that was out there as well. Um, SGC is is nice for vintage, as Nate kind of mentioned. Um, they do not hold the value on the grade level as much as a PSA card does. But they do look nice. Oh, SGCs. I mean, the reason I say PSA over SGC isn't because SGC doesn't do as, as good a job grading the actual card. It's because I feel like in most cases, when we're talking about modern, um, SGC just doesn't bring near the value that a PSA card does. When it comes to vintage, if you don't like PSA or there's a backup uh, – SGC is the one, the one and only one that I would tell you to send it to. And the other thing too is about the, like the slabs you were talking about is, is, you know, think of if you're going to put your money in the, one of the companies that always pops up, people ask me about is HGA. I'll say it. And I'm not saying, or he's not saying it may not add a ton of value now, but if they become a legitimate company and do right and aren't putting trimmed cards in and fake Michael Jordan autographs and holders and things like that, then it's almost like you're buying stock in that company because if their company rises, the value of your cards will rise. So it's not that we're saying just don't do it. It's terrible. It's I'm really coming from um, an, um, an angle of being a card shop owner that's trying to make money by buying and selling raw cards or buying raw cards that I get graded and sell them for a profit. So uh, I don't want to, uh, you to think that we don't, there's no value in any, they do have some value, just not to me. Hey Nate. What up? We got some 
incredibly exciting release dates in front of me. I, I'm looking at holiday shopping coming up and I'm just thinking about what's coming and I'm going to throw a few at you and I want you to tell me what you think about how popular they're going to be. And we'll start, we're going to start with baseball because All baseball right. event is always, um, my least favorite is always Nate's <laughs> least favorite. So, uh, we got tops dynasty baseball. Yeah. That's actually one I really enjoy opening live for customers. You can typically in that five box case, there's typically a one one in there or, or one number to five and you can get some, you know, uh, dual autos cuts. Um, the, the checklist is pretty small. It's, it's typically superstars in there. Your least players are going to be like the Vados. Um, who else you got? I mean, Vado is, is one of the lower tier guys in there. Uh, Gleber Torres guys like that. So, I mean, it's not like you're getting just scrubs like you do in archives. Very entertaining. Uh, gets right to the point. Um, yeah, no base cards in it or anything. Yeah, like it's just that. one card. Bam. I Again, saw I saw a Babe Ruth cut get pulled out of Dynasty. See, and that's another thing I want to I try to pound this in people's heads. Be very careful who you're buying loose boxes of this stuff from. If you're buying it on eBay and you think you're getting a discount, you're not. They can weigh them. It's just trust me. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, act like I'm better than everybody else. I'm saying buy it from a reputable company. There's plenty of them out there. Just don't get stuck always coming up with a goose egg because I promise you they can weigh the dynasty box or they can weigh, uh, weigh the absolute boxes, those type of things and just ruin your day. And you never even knew it. So I mean, shit, you want to talk about the absolute, the most recent the guy with the grams. Jesus. Did you see that picture? Yeah. It was, it was like, uh, he weighed it and he was showing off how he opened these certain boxes that weighed 200 and whatever grams. Well, no, it was 158, 158 grams. grams. Right. And I was like, how the fuck is he, what's he doing? And grams. I was like, yeah, what? He's probably a Coke dealer. Yeah. But anyway, so he's been opening those boxes and he had a handful of kabooms and he's like, well, this is what you want to do. And then on a separate post, yep. he had 750 of these boxes for sale. What a it's, cocksucker. Like what? An idiot. Yeah. They put it together. They got him good. It's, it's idiot. It was retail boxes, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Because the kabooms come in retail and this guy had, had rounded up hundreds of boxes and was weighing them, pulled the kabooms and then selling them bragging about that yeah. saying, and I think somebody said, how can you do this? He said, if I was, he said, would I not, I'd, what kind of businessman would I be if I didn't do this? And I said, an honest one. One with integrity, you <laughs> cocksucker. Right. So Dynasty, December 22nd. Next on baseball, we have Ta- uh, Bowman Draft on twelve seventeen. Yeah. Oh, that's always, that's as solid as it gets. It's, it's one of those products. It's not for me personally because I, I don't follow the minor leagues. I don't keep up with that stuff. That's why Bowman Chrome, when I'm always opening them, I'm like, is this guy good or what? But for the uh, prospects, I think it's going to be something that, Bowman Draft's always a home run, man. You either get the... Uh, uh, the super jumbos or the jumbos, uh, a lot of cards, a lot of fun. Uh, December 17th, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Two days before December 15th, we have a really cool baseball release. Tops Chrome Platinum Anniversary. Yeah, that's my, I actually got hundreds and hundreds of boxes of this. Um, I bought it because it's the, it's beautiful. It puts the Tops Chrome cards with the 52 Tops design. <sighs> Lots of parallels, autographs, things like that. And I was like, man, this stuff's going to be a home run. I, I don't even think I've even put it up for pre-sale yet, but I will before long. And I'm telling you, go check that out. It's 2021 Topps Chrome Platinum Anniversary Edition. And it to me, when I saw the, the, the sales sheet for it, I was like, whoa, this stuff's beautiful. And you said the price was pretty good on it too, Yeah, right? it's not anything crazy. I want to say it's like... $199 a box. I mean, it's not oh, bad, man. and you get a lot of cards. To me, it's going to be a really cool set to, to, to put together. Right on. Moving on to NBA, on November 26th, we have Optic Contenders. Yeah, that's people have been buying that stuff up like crazy on the site. Um, again, I'm not a big fan of Optic Contenders. I just keep it real on here, fellas, but people love it. It's easy to break for breakers. Um, it gets kind of to the point. You can hit some really big cards. I just, I'm not a big fan of the class, but other people are, man. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy. I'm just, it's not one that's going to, uh, I'm going to be so pumped up to open like I was last year. I think it's a time will tell situation too. There are some really talented kids in the class. It's just, they haven't been able to prove themselves yet. Yeah. Once they do, 
Um, also in NBA on the 1st of December, we got Mosaic. Yeah. Which Mos- is always hot. Yeah, Mosaic Basketball is going to be another one of those shiny releases that everybody's after, retail, hobby. Mosaic, do they put it in retail? Yeah. So Mosaic has retail too. Well, they did last year. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, so they'll do it again. So that'll be one that people are chasing. There'll be There's some beautiful cards in there. It's one where you can buy packs, and, you know, it's one that, hey, everybody's going to be excited about it. It's a pretty popular release. Right on. That's NBA Flawless Collegiate, November 17th. That's in a couple of days, huh? Yeah, that's a big one, and that one was short-produced, man. I can tell you I only got, like, eight cases of that stuff. The Immaculate Collegiate Football Flawless. I, it, It's something that... It's got a great class, but I have a feeling that stuff's going to be scarce. They didn't make a lot of it. Yeah, buy that early, guys. That's a big one. And then in football, man, beautiful cards coming out. Man, we got Spectra yeah. NFL on December 1st. Yeah, that's that's the set I've been putting together for eight years, that uh, 2013 Spectra 50th anniversary set. Um, I think I have about 130 different autographs, and I'm sure there'll be some in there this year, but it's mainly in Spectra. It's been in other products across the eight years, limited, flawless, treasures. But it, it, what it is is it's a Hall of Fame autographs. Whenever somebody gets in, they typically make a card for them. But I'm glad that will come to an end at some point. I literally have like 130 of them. I think there's about 150. I, I still need Moss. Um, but they kind of watered the set down. They started making two versions, like Warren Moon. There's an Oilers version, and there's a Vikings version. Well, fuck, man. It should have been Warren Moon in his Oilers uniform, but they're just trying to create content. But for somebody who spent so much money and time and effort over an eight-year window, it's like you want a completion. You know, like you don't want to just never end. But that's probably the most beautiful football card I've ever seen is the 13 Spectra Hall of Fame autographs. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, 12-8. Impeccable football. Yeah, impeccable. I'm not uh, even familiar with impeccable. What's, what's Is that like a National Treasures type? No, impeccable is the one that, you know, like one in every three boxes has the gold card or the silver card. Oh, like the with the gold. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah okay. those are really popular. Yeah, super popular. Also, okay. go ahead. Yeah, well, December 29th. I mean, this is after Christmas. Yeah. Save your, save your, your gift cards that you get in your stocking. Yep, because immaculate football comes out on twelve twenty nine, and you were talking about something really special in that set. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because they're coming out with the cleat cards. Uh, when I mean cleat cards, I don't mean they cut up a cleat. I mean like the uh, sneaker spotlights in uh, Noir basketball. They're putting sneaker spotlight or, or cleat spotlight in immaculate football. So instead of making a Noir football, which I'm so glad they didn't do, I'm glad. I think Immaculate's going to be massive this year, Immaculate NFL, because of the, obviously, the huge amount of content to begin with. It's an amazing break. And then you add those to it, it's going to be a blast. What's that, like a 360-point magnetic? Uh, No, it won't be that bad. It'll be 130, 180. Oh, really? Okay. It's not, it doesn't have any, it's just a picture of their sneakers. Okay. Lastly, December 8th also. Yeah. Immaculate UFC. Yeah, that stuff could be nuts, man. Um, Obviously, the first time they've ever made it, the first really high-end product for UFC, I think that product will be insane. I think it's one, like I said, we're not even pre-selling it yet. Um, I'm not going to get a lot of it, but I think that's one, you know, even if you don't want to spend the money on the boxes, I think the singles of some of that stuff will be really huge here in a few years down the road. Right on. And then one I don't have on the list and something that we talked about a few weeks ago was the Upper Deck Multisport that's coming out. Yeah, with the January. Yep. BMGs in it. That's going to be absolutely insane. Well, thanks for rounding that out for us, Nate. That's a, It's going to be a really exciting holiday season. It's the, tis the season for CODs. All right, Nate. It's time to round the bases. Who is our nut dragger of the bye week, my friend? Nut dragger of the week? My man, Austin. Five years. Literally... Has worked at Grand Slam over five years now. Yesterday was his five-year anniversary. Not sure if you saw the the show yesterday, um, but he he's he's literally grown up underneath my wing, man. He's 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 a great kid. Um, so happy that our paths crossed because you know after you're with someone for five years, you kind of figure out what makes them tick. Are they honest? Are they really your friend? Uh, do they show up when you need them? And I'm not talking about at work. I mean, outside of work. Um, he, he's got tremendous uh, values for his age, too. He's much better. He's he's just a much better human being than I am. And I give him respect for that. You know, he's a good kid. Um, I expect big things out of him. 
I mean, he could go conquer another business or he could go run this one down the road when I'm, when I'm sitting uh, on a beach or something when I retire. But either way, um, one of the best assets that I have at the store is actually Austin. Um, just a really good kid, man. Nothing but love for him. How long did it take him to get hired? It took him a while. Does, has he ever told you the story? No, tell me. Yeah, he would uh, come into the store. There were two kids that would come into the store, and each of them were asking me for a job. It was Austin and this other kid. And I had made up my mind. I was like, because you got to remember, money was tight. I was a one-man show, and I was like, I think Gary was working for me a little bit. And uh, I was like, look, whoever whoever keeps asking, whoever whoever sticks to it, I'm going to hire him. Well, Austin asked about four or five times. The kid stopped. So I gave Austin the job. And I mean, I'm glad I, I went that route, man, because um, it's it's paid off huge. There's no way that other kid would have done better than Austin. Right on, man. What a, He's a terrific employee. I love uh, interacting with him. I actually saw him at the movies the other night. I ran into him. We both went and saw a really terrible Marvel movie. Oh, I'm sure he thinks it's a great movie. He's never had a bad review of a Marvel movie, and he's at the movie theater nonstop, man. It's re- <laughs> he's relentless. Right on. And uh, conversely, who we got on our bottom 10? This, got- ain't another, this ain't another week. This is just a bottom 10 story. Yeah, this is... He, he always asks me, because sometimes I literally will block this shit out of my mind because it, it just blows me away that human beings are like this. But sometimes I have to literally recall it because he'll say who's bottom 10 and we'll think for a little while say man listen to this story and i mean these are true all right we had this guy that was around town he would always buy cards act like he was something that he wasn't and he came in one day to buy a bunch of cards and we had priced those cards and he had also wanted a mickey mantle a ted williams and hank aaron autographs they were on like 16 by 20s from leaf and I price those. Well, we go through the list and he, he wants the cards, but not the 16 by 20. So we tally it up. We get the money from him. We're in a rush. He's he, the store. It's after four o'clock on a Saturday. And we're trying to get back here to open up a WWE transcendent case. Well, see, Austin's wanting to come back here because it's a WWE transcendent case. So we're trying to get him out of there so we can open it. So we come back here to start getting set up. He's still loading up these cards. Well, I don't think anything about it. We do our thing. The next morning I walk into the store Sunday morning and those three autographs are not there on the, on the glass counter. So I'm thinking to myself, hell yeah, I can finally catch you stealing this shit from me. So I I look on the camera and it's this fucking asshole. So I'm like, fucking a man. So I call him up. And I'm like, look, man, bring back my stuff. And the first thing he says is what all thieves are going to say. Oh, I paid for that. And I say, of course, no, you didn't. I wrote down the list that you wanted. You know that you didn't buy them from me. Bring them back. Okay, man, I'll bring them back to you. And I'm like, get a load of this fucking guy. So I don't even, I, I tell a couple people here at work, like, man, check this fucking hobo out. So then about two days, two or three days go by, and he hasn't brought me my fucking stolen goods. I should have called the cops. And I call him up and I say, hey, man, are you going to bring these my, my stuff back to me or what? And he's like, damn, man, uh, are you hard up for money or something? Do you need a loan? <laughs> the fuck's wrong with what do you? What do you mean? Do I need a loan? No, I need you to bring me my stolen property. You bottom 10 motherfucker. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at more than parts podcast. See the winner of the episode four giveaway. We'll be back on November 30th for episode six. Take care. everyone.